Come on in, guys. Matt Hammond and Jared Sundin here. Once again, another episode of Talking Llama. We've got our fourth ranked season of Survivor to go over this week, which will be Cambodia or Second Chance, as it's also known. But first, as always, I've got some quick international tidbits to, to run through. Survivor South Africa, Immunity Island, Episode 5, our most recent one. Just more of the same, still very good, very fun, very entertaining. Hard to say a lot more than that without doing full episode recaps on here which we're which we're not doing obviously um but still only five episodes if you want to catch up plenty of time to do so um so they're just rolling right along a lot of new characters came to light um this past week had a double tribal council so a lot of or several uh players who maybe hadn't gotten as much screen time um got a chance to to show off a little bit and you know kind of let their personalities and and gameplay come to the forefront a little bit more still a couple players were getting that dreaded purple edit but again there's still i think 11 episodes left so plenty of time hopefully for everyone to get their get their due and then australian survivor they announced their premiere date for their next season of course a brains versus brawn so sunday july 18th will be that first episode and i'll be covering that um in the in blog format again just like i have been with south africa now, one thing that's different with Australian Survivor is on their reality shows, they typically air multiple episodes per week. So I think like last year for their All-Stars, they were airing three episodes per week. So if they're doing that, even if it's two two or three episodes, I likely will not be doing recaps for each individual episode. Just with that, plus South Africa, plus this podcast, plus other things going on in my life, want to have some free time. I doubt I'll have time or the mental bandwidth to do episode by episode. So I'll probably do like weekly, but we'll wait and see how that um, schedule breaks down. I haven't seen anything announced officially. That's how they've done it in the past. Imagine there's no reason they won't do it the same way, but pretty soon we'll have four episodes of Survivor per week all before US kicks in. So Survivor's back, Jared. If it wasn't back before, it's back now. Well, we got a survivor teaser, but you also teased what's going on in your life. I, I mean, you want to talk? What's what's going on? Oh, man? no, just just regular life stuff. Just my life is not only survivor. I'm as kidding. Much, as much I'm as I might kidding. want it to be. I have other other things like, you know, sleep and eating at the forefront there. Overrated. At times. Got to find got to find time for some, though. All right. So our fourth rank season, Cambodia. Both of our fourth rank season matches up very well there. So this one, when it aired, this was the second se- or third, I guess, if you count, if you're counting Borneo way back when, but in terms of coming back to, back to survivor, the second season I watched live and I don't know about you, but I made the really dumb mistake of watching the second chance cast reveal at the world's apart finale 
and then I went back and watched what I had missed. So 28 seasons that I had missed or whatever, 27, I guess. Just a quick catch up. Yeah. But I had so many seasons spoiled for me, which I was not thinking. I honestly didn't think I would fall in love with the show like I so clearly have. But I had Terry's season on Panama spoiled. I had Kagayan spoiled. I had so many things where players I was rooting for that, oh, I knew going in they they weren't going to win the season. Or in Kagayan, when it's Spencer, Cass, Tasha, and or Spencer, Cass, Wu, and Tony and the final four, and three of those four are on second chance. Well, wonder who wins that season, huh? That is a great point. Uh, no, that did not happen for me this way. I I was pretty much watching in order, so I I knew everything that happened. Um, well, at least before I started watching this season or before I knew who was in the cast. But I had a friend from work who said, because um, I don't usually watch the reunions, but he said, you got to watch the reunion for Worlds Apart because it is crazy how they pick the next season and you're going to love it. So that's the only spoiler I got, which didn't really spoil anything. Sure. Sure. So yeah, let's just start then with the cast. So this was as a reminder, the first fan vote. Um, so I think how it went down is production narrowed it down to their finalists. I think it was 20 or 30 men and women, maybe not even that many, but they narrowed down to the finalists and then it was strictly a fan vote from there on, on who was going to get on. And so they did the live reveal at the world's apart finale. They went straight from the finale to the airport to fly out to, to Cambodia to film the season. And it's interesting. I don't remember if we mentioned this with co wrong or not co wrong. Yeah. Co wrong. That season had already been filmed and was prepped to go. And then they slotted second chance in ahead of that in this air, in the schedule for, for broadcast. So, so everyone in Co Wrong had to sit on those results and their time there for an extra, I don't know, six months, whatever it came out to be. Oh, okay. If if only you could see the look on my face right now. <laughs> I I'm so confused. Um, it makes me feel worse for Aubrey, but uh, other than that, I mean, yeah, everyone just sitting and waiting would suck. But I had no idea that they basically that got happened. double the double the time than anyone else did but with the cast i thought this was a super fun way to do it and if they if they ever do a, a like a second chance season again they almost have to do it this way now now, now they've done it once um and and as we've talked about as we do our own second chance preppy and when we do our our cast episode there's plenty of players left for for a second chance episode including those who didn't make it on this season um few of my main snubs and it's going to be right in line with basically everybody would be Carolyn Mama C from worlds apart, Shane powers and T-bird. I think Shane and T-bird were two players that if you would ask the fans, they probably all would have said, Oh, yep. 100% locked in. They are going big shocks. Anyone else that you maybe wished had. Um, no, had gotten I don't on there that didn't. I don't think so. Um, those really the only ones that surprise me are are Shane and T-Bird. Um, 
other than that, like I personally love Carolyn. Um, I like Sabrina. I like Jim Rice, but I don't think they had the following of the other two um, or at least not the, I, I guess like recognition um, or, or left the impression that the other two did. But uh, yeah, I, I'm looking at the snubs and kind of wondering how they picked them in the first place. Like it's a really strange strange mix of people here um like stephanie valencia so i i actually kind of liked her on redemption island um but and and like natalie um also from redemption island there's it just i don't remember them specifically for anything um and I don't think they played particularly well or interesting, but for, I mean, they must be favorites of production to make it this far. Speaking to those two specifically, I, I haven't read really much into either at the time or since then on how exactly they came to this decision. I'm sure Probst was involved heavily with production and casting and, any other executives you know mark burnett and everything um but now it's to those two specifically I, th- I think stephanie she kind of flashed early on a little bit but then she was she hitched her wagon to russell from like day one so that basically spelled her doom and then you know when when they swapped she had really no chance to maneuver with the stranglehold that the other the other players had you know with their alliances so i think if she had got a little better luck with whether just casting maybe on a different season or if she had just chosen to not go with Russell right away. I think she could have made some damn done some damage in the game. And then Natalie, I think she got dragged along. So I guess so hard. So obviously that she was a nice person, you know, she showed some, some, some ability and challenges that I can see them, and she's a good-looking girl. They always want to cast the the attractive people, obviously, um, especially earlier on. That was all that seemed to always be a a big part of who they put on the show or who they try to get on the show, at least. Um, but it, like we talked about on our Redemption Island episode, is that she basically didn't play the game at all, and that it would so it would be fun to see her get a chance again, just to see if she is any good at the game. Yeah. I, I think there's a big enough sample size there to know that she doesn't really. Well, she was also much. She was also what? I think 19 at the time. She, she was, and we've used that as a reason before to see as someone matures, like if they turn into a different player, but still, this is only what four years later. Yeah, she was 24 at the time of casting for a second chance. So yeah. Um, I, I don't know that one. That one's probably the most surprising to me, but um, yeah, like Jim Rice, I remember seemed like a really random one because he wasn't focused on a ton in South Pacific. I know that Jeff loves him, but um, yeah, like just a, just a few that kind of made me scratch my head. Yep. And then it should be noted that Mike Holloway was in the top 10 vote getters. 
but second chance was just for those who did not win their season. So once he won Worlds Apart, he moved out, and whoever was that 11th highest vote getter, who they haven't revealed, I don't haven't had any, seen any leaks on who that was, but it did allow someone else to to slide into that spot. But yeah, that was a super fun way. It's it shows a lot of faith in the in the fans, even though they kind of set the set the parameters a little bit into who they could vote for to begin with, but just giving them that at a certain point that full full power on who they can get in there. I don't think a lot of shows would do that. I think it it works both ways. Like if obviously, yeah, it is putting a lot of faith into the fans, but there's I don't know if there's a better way to boost your ratings than to put people on that you know your fans want to watch. Yeah. So um I, yeah, I I think it took a it took some guts to actually decide to do this, but um for good reason. All right. Well, let's let's jump in um to the to the season here and so Jeremy Collins, of course, wins in a 10-0-0 sweep, which we'll get to, but ridiculous on a basically an all-star season, a clean sweep with 10 votes. Um, everyone basically from minute one, they came to play this season. They were taking that second chance very seriously. Um, a lot of a lot of players will often talk about, you know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, or we're so lucky to have been able to play two or three or four times, depending who it is, that they don't want to take this second opportunity for granted. And it and it shows for the better. It's not aside from Fishback's vendetta against Joe, which is just incredible. No people were playing hard, but they but they weren't often like overplaying themselves. They were playing hard, but they were for the most part, able to stay within themselves, even early on. I feel like that'd be really hard to do in a season like this where everyone's got that kind of extra, extra, extra gear to get up and go right away. I think, yeah, in a season of returning players, I would have more of a problem with playing too cautiously, uh, just trying not to do anything that is going to draw attention to yourself. But um, yeah, I think it's a good point that like, they were all playing really hard knowing that any move could, could be their last move and it. And they still just went for it. I think it probably helped because most players probably realized how hard everyone was playing right away. So it probably made them feel there was a little more freedom on their side to then really go for it too. Whereas a complaint you'll hear from what was about other players. Oh, so-and-so was playing too hard. It's only day one. But if every single player falls under that line, except for oh, probably Kelly Wigglesworth and maybe the one. Um, but if every single player, virtually every single player falls under that same umbrella, you don't have to worry about playing too hard as a reason to get voted out because you can say that about anybody. Yeah, true. I think one of my, favorite moments because when you see a, se- a season like this i mean in the in the cast bios for this for the season one of the questions they asked maybe this was ew exclusively or C- cbs wherever it was they asked them what you will do differently this time around and you get to see how players one evolve as survivor players and as people and then 
if they're self-aware enough to pick up on what they needed to change from their first season and if they're able to do that. And the one that sticks out the most to me is actually Terry Dietz, who, of course, very unfortunately had to leave early in the game due to a, a medical emergency with, with his son, who thankfully was okay. As far as I know, he's still doing great. Um, but his son was in the hospital, so he had to, he had to leave. But he he was making much more of a, of a focus of his social game, making those connections, and was able to do so with one of the more polarizing players the show has ever seen in Abby. Because there was there was one night, you know, day what was it four or five, whenever it was, and she's maybe even later than that. She's down on the beach by herself after one of her many dust-ups, as she's wont to do. And Terry sees that, and he goes out and talks to her for, like, the entire night. And that solidified a Terry and Abby bond, you know, two very unlikely people, if you were to ask, <laughs> heading into the season. And it just shows that all it takes is just showing a little bit of humanity to somebody, even if you don't mean it. And, and Terry did, from all we could, from what we could tell. But even if you just act like it, you've got to act concerned, show them a little compassion, and that can make a huge difference. That could have been a strong twosome to go far into the game. And Abby went far somehow. She two performances and two jury finishes, maybe top 10 for sure. Uh, is there something to it? No. <laughs> no. I mean, there is something to it in the sense if you're if you're playing for like seventh place, sure, there's absolutely absolutely something to it. But players these days, or even five years ago or six years ago now, for second chance, that that player is getting voted out. Or no, no, because the, the thinking there is that oh, I can go to the end because nobody nobody likes me. No one, no one can. No one will vote for me, so just take me to the end. I mean, I'm an easy goat. But I think it's this season, or it's a few times where where people say, "Yep, if you're taking Abby or whoever it is to the end, that's one less spot available for everybody else." So then, unless you're the one taking her to the end, it gives everyone else incentive to vote that person out, and it gives them a, a pretty good story. If you, oh, I was on the bottom the whole time. Nobody liked me. Nobody aligned with me. Nobody wanted to clue me in on the votes, but I'm still here. I'm still here on day 39. Gives them a chance. Now, I don't think Abby would ever win. I don't think her particular personality and gameplay could lead her to a win, but talking in just broad terms, taking the, the player, oh, everyone hates this person, so I'll take them to the end, doesn't always pay off if you're planning it that far in advance that's that's more of a in most cases wait till a few votes after the merge and to see who's not vibing who's alienating themselves who's pissing people off and then and at that point make your move versus i'm going to pinpoint this person from day one as i mean again boston robin redemption island is probably the exception that proves the rule but it's it's risky it's risky and the other thing, she seems unbearable to live with on an on the island like that. Like I I know people have different opinions of her outside of the game, like other players. You know, people are people have fairly, fairly decent friendships with her. She's 
done been on some of the live shows of the Rob has a podcast and she seems to get a warm welcome at those events. She's fine there, but on the Island, I think it would be an absolute nightmare. Yeah. And, if, and at, at some point I've been going off a little bit here, maybe you can jump in. You, I feel like you got to do it just for, just pure sanity. Yeah. I, I could see that. Like one of the things that I, I guess remembered the second time watching it or I forgot and then you know pop back up the second time was the whole was it a necklace or a bracelet thing with PG where um yep Abby thought PG stole it or something like that it, and, well, I think it did and ultimately end up in in PG's bag I yeah. think but but like, Abby just like wouldn't let it go it was yeah. day one or day two yeah and then so I mean, just one example, though, of of kind of a harmless thing that probably wasn't even PG's fault that just like blew up and could have been avoided. But um, I was going to make one point. You said that Terry was the player who kind of like came to Abby's level and um, humanity was the word that you used. I think uh-huh. um, in the Philippines, Malcolm did that with her. and she i think felt a little better towards him than everyone else there so uh i don't know if maybe terry had seen that and and realized that that was a way in for him but um going back to the original original point of uh who is the most different or who used past experience to change their game and play a better game the second time around um the obvious one that the show wants you to think of is spencer because there's this the whole storyline of him not thinking of players as chess pieces and opening up you know a little bit more emotionally there's there's a quote i was gonna wait on this but there's a quote he has that's perfect since you brought it up it's i'm trying something new i'm trying to have feelings (laughs) and and to be, to be fair, a lot of people do struggle expressing their emotions and all that, not making fun of that part, but just that quote by itself, isolated, is absolutely hysterical. Yep. Yep. Love it out of context. Good with context. Love it out of context. Um, one, I think, lower key player who changed how they played uh granted it was over a longer period of time but i think kimmy came in with a way better outlook and game plan the second time around than she did the first time where the first time it was uh i know there's like the whole thing with the chickens and it just seemed to go off the rails a little bit for her but uh yeah the second time around she seemed to be in a pretty good spot for most of the game uh she's a lot more in control yep yep could have seen her ending up in the final three, maybe under the right circumstances. But uh, yeah, I think, I think that she really, I mean, it was probably cause she had a lot of time to look back and, and think about that first time that she played, hoping that she would get another chance. But I think she did a really good job with adjusting. Yeah. And since you mentioned that, let's talk a little bit about, so she was on season two and Kelly Wigglesworth, 
the show's first runner up was obviously from season one and she came back and I mean, she was basically a nothing on, on this season and she didn't really do anything differently. I know people were hesitant, hesitant to vote her off because they didn't want to vote her off first or, or too early. They felt like she was kind of a, the survivor. I kind of maybe deserved to stay a little bit longer. It seemed like, but she was, I mean, you could have taken her off the season and I don't think it would have changed one single thing about how the vast majority of fans, at least for me, would would feel about the, less the nostalgia. That's the only difference. It, yeah, it was kind of an exciting moment to see her get picked. That was probably that was pretty much a given, and then to see her get out there on the island again. But then for me, that's about where it stopped personally. I don't remember much of who she was playing with or how she was playing. That's a good point. All I remember really is that she did the the dumb pick a number at Final Tribal. Oh, because that's what she and, lost to. Yeah, you know, when she was there. So and and my notes were barely in the season. Very fitting to have a twenty second appearance at Final Tribal Council. Man, what if Jeremy picked the wrong number and he got one <laughs> one vote went to someone else? Kelly would have felt proud. Good, yeah, good for her. Def- definitely um, lesser <laughs> Kelly, if if we're, if we're being for honest. sure. I'm Not sure. just in this season, but Survivor as a whole. We'll get to Wetworth. Plenty to talk about with her there. Oh yeah, can't wait. Um, is there anyone else that that we thought? I think um, Jeremy's another one. It probably made a huge difference not to have his wife on the island with him. He seemed a little bit one dimensional the first time that he yeah, played. The the blood versus water players are a little tough to compare. Just because the dynamic of the game is so different when you've got that different aspect of either having a loved one out there or being on a tribe without a loved one if others have theirs out there. Yeah. Because, um, like, so he and and Wentworth, unless I'm blanking, oh, Keith. Keith was also, was also from Blood vs. Water. I think those were the three. Um, and Wentworth, of course, was a pre-merge boot, so we didn't really get a good feel for her game and she she proved herself fantastic she 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 played a game worthy of a win in second chance yeah everyone recognized it which is why she did not even make it to the end yeah if she had made it against jeremy i still think jeremy would have won but i wouldn't especially on the rewatch i would not have been shocked to see a wentworth win over jeremy in the end yeah that would have been fireworks it, it would not have been a shutout that's that's for sure yeah final whoever was tribal. third probably would have been a been a zero vote but yep. but it would have been a, a fun battle between those two yeah definitely um yeah i so i think he and jeremy um played way savvier this time like he he seemed to be really comfortable and, and like knew when to say things and when to play idols and just had a, a great feel for the game when the first time around, I don't know if he was just distracted or, you know, focusing, trying to focus on too many things, but um, he, he kind of rounds out my group of people who I think really learned from the first time that they played and, and came back and did a lot better. And and on the other hand, or other side of that coin, 
is Jeff Varner the worst three-time player ever? I think yes. I, I, does he keep, I think he gets worse every time he plays. Well, consider what happens in game changers. I, I would agree, but, but even with, even without that, which we won't need to get back into this time, even without that, he wasn't playing a very impressive game at all up to that point. I mean, clearly if you have to stoop to that level, your game is going off the rails already. Yeah. I like that. This is, this is the kind of player I think of Jeff Varner as he will form a stealth Alliance and then be like stealth planning to get rid of his own stealth Alliance. <laughs> I don't know if it's a viable long-term strategy, but it doesn't it, sound like it. Yeah. Um, who knows? I mean, I fear for if, if he came out for a fourth time, I don't know what he would, it would, they may have to cancel the show. Oh, there would be an, an, an absolute revolt <laughs> if, if Jeff Farner got cast again. Oh, I, I, I don't know, but that's, it's kind of fun to think about. It's like, what would he do going out the way he did? Would he just sit back and do absolutely nothing? Yeah, I think that's what would happen. But is he smart enough to realize that? Uh, well, I don't know if it would be smart to sit back and do nothing. Cause it's like, you're just there. Like you, you came on to redeem yourself and, and to redeem yourself, you just exist. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's, if that's the best way to go either, but yeah. let's not, let's, let's yeah. look. Thankfully we won't have to experience that ever. As long as, as long as the show's on the air, I was gonna say as long as props is involved, but as long as the show exists, I don't think that'll ever happen one thing that i was gonna mention when we were talking about abby just because it's so absurd is early on i don't know which episode that part doesn't matter Wu is talking about the story of his mom's heart transplant and he's getting emotional of course because his mom had a heart transplant and then abby <laughs> in a confession do you remember this part no <laughs> she she's like complaining about it and then compares again Wu's mom's heart transplant to her having a knee tendon transplant. And but it's as it, pretty much the same. As thing. if they're on like the similar emotional levels. Like, are you insane? Oh, wait, yeah, you are. Absolutely you are. But it's it's hysterical to watch. But it's it's also kind of like if someone doesn't have the awareness to realize that your knee tendon isn't on the same level of someone's mom once again having a heart transplant. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I remember there was a part in the Philippines where uh, it was one of Denise's most vicious like attacks on Abby, but like a it was like a very passive aggressive vicious attack. But um, yeah, Jeff asked if it was like, is this like a language thing? Like, are we? <laughs> Are we just not really, um, you know, seeing that like she or, or is she not communicating what she is trying to say? And Denise pretty much says like, well, I've met a ton of people who don't speak English as their first language and are like nice and caring and just like sets it up. And and uh, she goes, but those just aren't really a part of who Abby is. <laughs> and and this example kind of proves it. I mean, 
the only way that a language barrier would come into play here is if tendon means heart in uh, Portuguese, <laughs> but I don't think, I don't as think that's far as I know, I don't speak Portuguese, so I could be wrong, but as far as I know, tendon does not translate to, to heart. Yeah. So not really, not really a language or cultural thing to think that your knee issue is uh, <laughs> the same as a heart transplant, but Hey, it's, it's like, you know, it's like comparing a high school golf championship to winning the Super Bowl. It's like, yeah, they're, they're the same thing. Yeah. Won the championship. Ooh, one of my favorite moments from this season um, is episode five in the, the target challenge. They're, they're the slingshot target and fishback <laughs> okay. hits the other yep. tribes target. But there's a behind the scenes tidbit that, Oh, I should have looked this up. I think it was Dalton Ross who was who was out there on location. He um pretty sure it was him. Before that challenge started, Fishback actually asked what happens if you hit another team's target. And the reaction from everyone was like, that's not going to happen. Like, why is it are you even thinking of that? And then Fishback, I mean, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point, but Fishback then goes out. And of course, hits the other team's target. It counts for them. Just chef's kiss. Just incredible. He knows himself so well. (laughs) He he does. Fishback. I I love Fishback. He he's a super smart player. Maybe a little too smart for his own good some of the time. He knows the game inside and out. Great personality. Great narrator. I I love the guy. And the the edit they gave him on on this season. Just the dodo music and the the juxtaposition of like Joe basically like ripping a tree out of the ground himself, and then Steven's trying to like cut the little bamboo and he like can't do it. Some really fun editing tricks, and I feel like they they knew with Fishback they'd get away with it, but a lot a lot of fun with with him this season. Yeah, I've always. I don't know. He's, I know one person who fans love a favorite got voted in here um, is really a prominent figure for survivor outside of the actual show airing. Um, But I've just never, I don't know why I've just never really connected with him. Like a lot of fans do. And um I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. I think that, um, like you said, he's, he's a little smart for his own good. Sometimes like, I think he's hyped up to be this really great strategist. And, um, I, I think, yes, that's an important part of the game, but I just don't, I don't know. I, uh, yeah people (laughs) people wise it's i don't know if he just doesn't have a super great read on um on other players maybe that's it but there's just something for me that is is missing where i can't really consider him like one of my favorite players nothing nothing against him but um i mean there are what 500 players or something that have played i that sounds right but uh yeah i I don't know if I'd put him in my, my top, uh, top 5%, you know, that's fair. 
even top 6% is still pretty good. Just a little worse than top five, but well, well, yeah, it's not bad though. Still not bad. Um, one, one thing he did not do to earn some points, at least with me this season is, is the poem he read. Do you remember that? You're going to have to remind me. Oh, I wasn't planning to play this clip, but now I might have to. The um, poem? He read a poem like to his tribe. Um, and it went on for, for some time. I have it. I have the timestamp here in the episode. So let me, let me try to pull that up here. But this was just an incredible moment. Cause it came, if I'm remembering right, it kind of came up out of the blue where he said, Hey, Hey guys, I'm going to read this poem to you all. I thought um, you were going to say it came straight from the heart. Oh, it may have. Which I hope it would. All right, CBS, load this ad. Let me get to the episode. Okay, let me try to find it here. Okay, I, w- I wish I could. Sh- oh, okay. All right. Okay, let me share this audio here. If you if you can, I think I think they have some good um, like facial reactions from the tribe. So it's episode seven around the 1515 mark. Um, if you want to look this up yourself after just to sh- see the the facial and how people react to it, but the, the word itself is pretty good. So everyone is just sitting in the in the in the camp and it's raining. So they can't really do anything. That's that's the setup. Sit in my grandma's sewing room. Be quiet. Yeah. I have a poem to share with you all. It's called God's Grandeur. It's by Gerard Manley Hopkins. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. It will flame out like shining from shook oil. It gathers to a greatness like the ooze of oil crush. Why do men then now not wreck his rod? And for all this, nature is never spent. There lives the dearest freshness deep down things, because the Holy Ghost over the bent world broods with warm breasts and with, ah, uh, bright wings. Nice. Yay! Very nice. nice. You should do that every day for us. Yeah. <laughs> like someone said nice, and then someone else upped it with very nice. <laughs> oh, it's... So I don't know how they if they edited edited that like in a real time. They're just talking. He just goes, "I've got a poem." Like, oh, no- you know exactly how this happens. <laughs> there's, I this- there's no lead up. It's incredible. No, this I know how this happens. This is where you have an idea that you know when you're bored, you're like, "Oh, this would be a great thing to do," and then you know you forget. The moment goes by, and then you remember later when the moment really isn't right. But it occurs to you that you missed out the first time and you just go for it. <laughs> I guess they are stuck under the under the shelter in the rain. Can't they do much, but still just the out of the blue, the memorized poem. That's the best part. I don't know if he just has like a perfect memory or anything like that. Because if he doesn't, he definitely planned to use this at some point. Yeah, when unless, do you think unless, the last time he looked at that poem was? Unless he just knows that poem for whatever reason and just memorized it. But I don't, I mean, he's obviously 
more intelligent, higher IQ than than I am, but I don't know if there's there's anything poem or song that I could just pop out and just say perfectly. Movie quotes, Simpsons references, sure, golden, got that on lockdown, but just a random like thirty second minute long poem, not a chance. Maybe if you intentionally starved your body, you would gain <laughs> some superpowers. You could dig down deep from within and, uh, yeah, pull out something that mentally stimulates you. That's a good point. I hadn't considered the, the physical deterioration as a possible factor. In- you can try that after the show, too. I could. Just don't eat for a few days, see what happens. Yeah. Never know. Yeah, I, I think he you obviously can't look at poems or read poems when you're out there there's nowhere for you to like brush up on (laughs) the exact wording so like that was my question when was the last time he looked at this probably at wherever they stay pre-game would be would be my guess Hmm, okay because you've got all your stuff there your your books and whatever they let you keep for when you get voted out I, I bet he had it there somewhere. I would have so much more respect if he just made the whole thing up. That'd be great. That'd be great. Like um, like Marty in, in Nicaragua <laughs> yeah. with, with the chess chess grandmaster, Guillermo Villas, who is actually the Hall of Fame tennis player. <laughs> that yep. Just go to that for a second. That would be my dream if I was ever on the show, that someone would use to a non-tennis fan, a very obscure reference to like he did there. Cause I would know instantly, Oh, he's not a chess grandmaster. That's a hall of fame tennis player. And Marty just happened to pick the one person on this, on this game who would know that just kind of keep that in the back pocket for later. Could make it, it would make a perfect confessional. Marty be like, Oh, this young kid doesn't know who I'm talking about. And I'd cut to me. Yeah. That guy's a tennis player, not a chess grandmaster. That was my that'd be my dream. That'd be the perfect thing to happen. Obviously, getting on the show is one thing, and then having that very particular occurrence happen, but it was wasted on on Fabio. Could have been somebody else. But but yeah, if he just made that up on the spot, fishback, including <laughs> the name of the author who wrote it, that'd be that'd be perfect. That might bump him up to top five percent for me. Just makes up a, a ridiculous poem. That's more of a coach move. Although coach, did coach coach writes his own poems? Did coach get, say that poem was that in Token Sheens? Don't remember because I was gonna say Fishback maybe drew inspiration from, from Coach Wade. Oh, that could that actually, I would say sixty forty chance that that is what happened. I honestly wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> but, at all. But I don't think people necessarily reacted overly positively to that to coach's poem no but in the grand scheme of survivor you just gotta you just gotta go for the coach uh the coach throwback references too i guess if you're just going for screen time reciting a a random poem out of the blue is is one way to guarantee it (laughs) if he's thinking hey we're sitting in the rain in the shelter nothing we do normally is going to get me on tv but if i give this poem for no reason at all that'll get me an extra minute or two of, of airtime. Yeah. Or you could like make it farther in the game. True. Less certainty in that though. Much guaranteed, less. Guaranteed if you recite a memorized poem, 
that's that's making the show. Well, I want to I want to see someone try to do that, but then like mess it up, just completely <laughs> blank on the words, stumble over their words, forget lines, make it super super awkward. I need that to happen. That would be nice. Let's see what else do we got here. Um, might as well keep going on Fishback just because I got I got a couple of notes at least on him. Got the as I mentioned the vendetta against Joe. Which ultimately leads to his demise when he misplays his his steal a vote. Yep, that happened. Just this is this is the kind of that's the kind of thing that I I think sours me on him a little bit. Where everyone thinks he's this great strategist, and then he does something like that, and it's like, okay, let's are we are we playing with our emotions or with our head here? I I think he is he he's too much of a strategist for his own good where he had a good idea and then like even when it wasn't the right time to go after it he still went after it and then he had an idea and then made it a bad idea in terms of why would you split your vote at that point if you're going to steal a vote vote for the same person twice pretty much um but his reaction was great his reaction was something about along the lines of like, wow, like great move, like good job guys. And was truly like, that was a good move. I can respect that. I, I love, I love when players go out like that and, and they're not, not salty or unreasonably upset about having their dreams crushed in this case yeah. for a second time. Yep. This was, this was actually his first time being voted out. Cause of course he made it to the final in token chains, but kind of like with, with J J in millennials versus gen X, when he's just like laughing about it, you can respect the good move. So you can still be upset about it, but you can, you can have fun, fun in the moment. So I, I really appreciate when, when any player goes out in that kind of way. Fair. Yep. All right. Um, oh, this is the first instance of hiding idols at challenges, which Kelly Wentworth finds. Which then leads, I was going to ask about that, which then leads to an incredible, incredible idol play. Um, later on in the season, a few episodes later, but this was, I believe it was suggested by, by Dalton Ross's daughter. She, hmm. she got word through him to probes that you should hide idols at challenges. Now, I don't know if that was the first time it was suggested, but she made the suggestion. And then the next season, like two seasons later, they did implement it here. And I, I love it. I love the idols at challenges. What do you think about it? I love it too. I was going to ask you if you thought production was pulling for it to work or fail uh, the first time that it happened. Honestly, I think you win either way, depending on how it fails. So there's, there's a moment in, in Australian survivor where they, they hide, I won't say what season or who it is or whatever, but just avoid minor, minor spoilers where a player gets the clue that says the idol is hidden at the challenge. Here it is. She gets it at the end of the challenge, puts it in her pocket or like in her in her shorts, but then it falls out onto the ground. Everybody sees it. So if it fails like that, that's also television gold. But if it if it fails in terms, were you thinking in terms of like just her not getting the idol? No, well, not getting it, I think would be the worst case scenario. I was thinking someone sees her do it. That mm-hmm. would be I guess failing, but not failing. 
Yep. Cause, and then also in South Africa, surviving one of the seasons, they have idols hidden at a, at a challenge. And you know, the, you know, the challenge where they're, they're over the water and you have to go one at a time, like switching places kind of to get from one side of the yep. pole to the other. So it's that challenge. The cat, the, the cat challenge. Yes. Okay. What the cat challenge? I mean, I know what you're talking. I know, I know what the reference is, but that's, I never heard I, of that way that's before. all I ever think of <laughs> when I think of that challenge fair enough so the the idols are hidden one for each tribe underneath the the platform where you sit when you when you cross and at one point up uh, one of the one of the players just jumps off the platform and grabs the idol like doesn't doesn't like fall in and goes get it. he just jumps off and grabs it it's incredible that is the definition of bold strategy yep so so the the idols at challenges open up so many doors for great TV moments. Both of those, the Australian moment and the South African moment, incredible, incredible content. It goes, it of course, goes after that as well in terms of like the fallout. It's hilarious. It's awesome to witness. And it's also super fun here where she gets it successfully with nobody seniors. It's very exciting. It's a brand new thing. I haven't seen that before, which obviously helps. Um, but but again, I've mentioned multiple times, I love when the show forces players into choices, A or B. Get the idol, focus on the challenge. When do you get the idol? Do you do it right away? Do you wait like she did to kind of be at the end of it? And it just makes, it adds so much pressure to that one player. And it, it I think it always pays off. I can't think of a time where I've been disappointed in how in a challenge idol has has played out ultimately. Yeah, at least, at least in terms of retrieving the idol. Yeah, I can't think of one either. Um, I've never seen I've never seen anyone get caught or fail to do it though. So, I yeah. Um, I have t I hope it happens though in the future. Like that's that's part of the fun is that because the players on American survivor have been so successful in finding these challenge idols, I think they can still keep doing it uh, in hopes that eventually that one time someone gets caught. Oh yeah. And, and it just makes it harder to get the idol too. Yeah. It, I, it just, and, yeah. It just, it, and it just adds for the possibility of something interesting happening that wouldn't otherwise happen in the season. I do, I do like the idea more of, you know, needing to get a clue and knowing that it's at a challenge and having to execute rather than just whoever gets up first gets the idol. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. So we can thank Russell for that, for kind of breaking the idols in Survivor. I, I do like when they had the clues and if someone happens to find it, great, but, but People know what to look for now. They know kind of the so either production's got to come up with something different in how they hide the idols or how idols are are found or acquired, or just make it harder to find and and go back to clues. Yeah. Um, but that does then lead with Wentworth's idol to at the time at least I can't remember if it's been beaten since then but was the most negated votes against 
I looked this she, up not too long ago, and I think it is still the record. Because it was, I'm looking at it, episode eight. Oh, so that would have been probably six votes, five votes against, because Savage was voted out. How many votes against? Uh, against Wentworth. I think it was nine. Oh, nine. I was... I had it. I was flipping. It was it was pre-merge. Yeah, nine so- sounds right. Yep. Because then Savage voted out with just three. Yeah, and that vote. I mean, great idol play first off. Um, but the problem, I think, was that like the group of nine was so stupid not to split the votes. Yeah, they they had the numbers easy. I mean, it was nine on three. And, uh, you know, they just thought they didn't have to. But that's what also makes it so fun is that when you get cocky, you're going to pay the price for it. Yeah. I would. I mean, I think the season is better off for it. Oh, for sure. Not just because it's one awesome moment, but then Wentworth goes in the game longer because of that. Yeah. One of one of the all time most memorable survivor moments for me was this idol play. Speaking of memorable moments, we'll jump ahead a little bit here. Um, the final six vote. Is this the diagram? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, final six. Spencer wins individual immunity. Wentworth and Jeremy play their idols. The votes are three votes Wentworth, three votes Jeremy. Zero votes, zero valid votes. The revote then results in a tie between Tasha and Kimmy. So then Jeremy, Spencer, Keith, and Wentworth are all, all immune, and they have to come to a, to a unanimous decision on either Kimmy or Tasha. Now, typically what happens there, if they can't, the remaining player, then Tasha and Kimmy would become immune. The remaining players draw rocks. In this case, it's only Keith. So Keith would just go home if they can't do that. This was not quite an advantage get-in, because not everyone played their advantage um, or played an advantage or idol, but two idols and immunity resulted in this. And then I don't know if Keith was just confused when he said kind of like <laughs> offers to go home. He's like, yeah, uh, no, I'll go. I'll go but, to the big house. But Keith, he calls it. Keith, no, like <laughs> we need you to stay here. You're part, you're part of our alliance. We need you to stay. Okay. I'll stay. <laughs> Oh man, that that moment was. I mean, it's tops. I looking at the looking at the list or the cast list here. I just want to mention very quickly that Keith is apparently from a town called Keithville, Louisiana. No, he's not. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> couldn't go without mentioning that. So here's the thing: was he named after the after the town? Or did the town rename itself after Keith? I hope he was named after the town. I, I hope the town renamed itself. <laughs> I was like a town of like a, of like 300 people where, where they do stuff like that. When, when, when a small town guy makes, makes a name for him or herself and said, yeah, we'll be Keithville now. Well, that would be a fun story, but I would also I feel like, like we would have heard about that. If that was yeah, the case. I would, 
I would like if in a town of 300 people, if like 70 men were named <laughs> Keith. Oh, oh, that's that's perfect. That's perfect. But yeah, this this was was something else. This this moment here. Jeff was so excited to draw. Oh, he was at he was like a little kid. It was incredible. It's like Jeff, I think most people probably followed what happened there. <laughs> but he's like, yeah. I could use a whiteboard or something. Yeah, let's do this, guys. Yeah. Uh that that was great. Um let's see, we'll go back. I had a couple other things here. Oh, um, so one question. So Jeremy finds an or finds a second idol, and maybe this is the first one. Either way, he finds an idol. Um, so he has clue. He gets, he gets a clue to it, or he wins like the location of it. But he's got to sneak off to camp in the middle of the night, and it's hanging by like torchlight, basically. I always wonder in these situations, what happens if someone else just stumbles upon that idol. I know once you have it in your possession, if you bear it somewhere or put it in your bag or whatever it is, that's yours. No one can take it from you at that point unless you give it to them. But if in, in a situation like this, if it says go here and idol is here and he won that clue or won that advantage to know where it is, if, if someone just finds it, if there's walking around, would production say no, that's somebody else's? Or then do they get that idol? I think, I, not that, not that it really matters, but I think that if someone stumbled onto it, it would be their idol because we've, there's been examples like this where there's clues for idols and then someone else finds it. Right. Right. But those, those are like the, the regular hidden idols. This one was just hanging out right in the open. It was just like, follow the, the firelight and there's your idol. So he, yeah. all he had to do was all he had to do was leave camp, and he and he had it basically. That's the only okay. thing that's different is that it wasn't exactly hidden. It wasn't buried somewhere. It wasn't inside of a tree or under a rock. It was just out in the open, where someone who maybe wasn't even looking for an idol could somehow find it. Karishma would find it there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Unless you want to rewrite like a whole rule. I, I would still want if anyone found it to be theirs just True. to keep things simple. Yeah. Although it would be interesting though, if, you know, say Spencer had just stumbled upon it and then they tell him, no, this is somebody else's idol. Then he knows that I don't, I don't think they would tell him whose it was. That'd be really dumb. But then he just knows, Oh, well one of these eight people has an idol Let's try that could be out. fun. It would, it would, I think they probably put it far enough out of the way where they probably felt fairly confident it wouldn't just be found on accident. But it is something fun to think about that I would love to see happen just to see how it's handled. Yeah. And another interesting decision um, at one point after the merge, Propes offers the tribe the opportunity to give up their chanted immunity. Excuse me in exchange for a construction crew to just improve and redo their entire shelter. And I, shoot, I forgot to put down how, I think it was, was it half had to do it or like more than half had to agree to give up their chance. And Joe and Keith end up playing 
for immunity. Everyone else says they're fine giving it up. But that, I think that's a, that was a really interesting little feature to have in the season that we hadn't seen before. I kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, both could be advantages. It would obviously be an advantage to uh, win immunity, but also an advantage long-term if you can sleep. So, yeah, um, pretty important decision there. I I don't know if I would need to see this specific one again, but, um, yeah, definitely something similar. I, I like – the thing I like about that is that it was post-merge. So it's not really the the team game at that point, but you and everyone else benefits from that improved shelter. And one person is only going to get to enjoy it for a few more hours, no matter what their decision is. Yep. Um, so it, it adds, there's enough kind of reasoning on both sides of it that makes it really interesting just to see what, what people yeah, and Think, you and- gotta you gotta be careful who you leave left in the challenge too, because if it's Joe going up against, I mean Keith was a fairly strong challenge competitor, yeah, but, but like say Kimmy, yeah, I mean then like what Joe's what not gonna is- lose many challenges to Kimmy, no, but because it and it goes beyond that too. It's like if someone plays for immunity, then are they viewed as selfish, and then do they? alienate the rest of their alliance or if they go to the go for the shelter they say oh well you should have competed to prevent joe or someone else from winning immunity you know so so there's a bunch of the the social and like relationship dynamic that you got to take into account for there as well so mm-hmm. that that was a really fun fun moment i think joe ended up winning that challenge anyway but it's just a a fun little little twist i thought to, to add in all right, couple things here for the final tribal. Unless you have anything else to go on before, before that, if you want to finish up there. No. Uh, well, we were just talking about Keith and challenges, and one of the uh, Jeff at one point asked Keith because Keith was particularly good at like some of these very obscure challenges with like balancing balls and stuff, and just uh, seemed to have a knack for some of them. And Jeff asked him what the secret was. And I believe Keith's answer was ball savviness. <laughs> there, that's one of the better running jokes that has had, that has um, become prevalent the past few seasons is because so many challenges involve balls to some mm-hmm. degree or another. And once you get that joke in your head, everything Prope says about balls is hilarious. It just reminds you of it. Yep. I think there's there's one. I think it's in our next season. I think I put, you're right. That I put in the quote, but it's just like, oh, his balls are clanging together, or you know, it's just like things like that. That one, if you have that very admittedly immature sense of humor, which everyone does to a degree, myself strongly included in that. I think you as well. Especially ball humor is always gonna be funny. Like let's let's just let's it's just be never honest. not. It's yeah. always gonna be funny. Um. And so once once you once you get that in your head, your head goes, your mind goes there every time he says it. It's hilarious every time he says it. I've got to think that part of it's intentional at this point. Oh, he knows that one for sure. The one that we're going to talk about for sure was intentional. Yeah, he he's he's smart enough to know that's or he's aware enough, I guess is a better way of saying it, that that joke is out there. 
and he's smart enough to be able to incorporate that in a funny way without going overboard. And it, again, it always plays. It always plays. Um, so final tribal, Jeremy, as we mentioned, 10-0-0 against Spencer and Tasha, which I think is super impressive. I mean, because it's not like Spencer and Tasha were were goats or dragged along. They they played pretty good games themselves. I don't know if they played the second and third best games. You know, finishers typically don't, but they they definitely could have gotten you know a couple votes each, and it wouldn't have been that surprising. Yeah, but depending on what relationships they form, uh, I don't think you could say objectively either one played a better game than Jeremy. But like, it's like you but said, to, if you're to, when that's a 10 person, 10 person jury and neither yeah. of them had one person. Yeah. Um, it's surprising that neither one of them had a strong enough alliance with one other person to get a vote considering how solid they played. Yeah. Yeah. And cause of course, Jeremy has the very emotional um, speech, I guess, blanking out a better word about, about Val and his family and Val being pregnant. Um, but What's different this time around, I know we've talked a few times about the emotional pitch at Found Tribal and whether or not it affects voters, whether or not it should. But Wentworth, if you remember the question that led to his, his bringing that up, Wentworth teed him up perfectly for it. So she asked, basically, what is your second chance story about? And Jeremy's all about family. It's about Val. It's about his kids. It's about his family. And so his second chance was about providing a better life for his family. It played in perfectly. I don't, obviously, when he went to shutout, he didn't need any extra ammunition in his final tribal, but it definitely didn't hurt to have that kind of in his back pocket to bring out at an absolutely perfect time. What a great question, too. We talked about Wigglesworth asking the number question, but thank you, Wentworth, for yeah, providing some sanity here. The superior Kelly, once again. That, yep. is, that is a, a really good question. Mo, I feel like Mo, we don't talk about that a lot. And I think with good reason that so many of the questions are the same or variations of each other. And being a second chance season, it kind of provides a unique opportunity to ask that question. But I don't know how many people would have thought to ask it in the first place. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree. And I think this is where this is one of the last seasons where they kept this format of, um, you know, just like yep. game changers was the, the one where they changed it. So Karan yeah. already filmed. So there are only two more seasons to be filmed after this one, three yeah. that aired, but Karan was already in the, in the bank. So two more that filmed to have the traditional or original format and then game changers switched. It yeah. Up. So rare that you get a question like that, that, it, you know, you start to rethink, maybe how everything is formatted but yeah good job by her and one of the one of the better moments at least for me is jeff leaves to go get the votes and Cass says i hope he gets on a jet ski Cass gets it she gets it that bumped her up in my player rankings i don't know 10 spots just by that that is the thing that survivor needs to bring back and we've mentioned this at least once or twice that one and he, he's, he's even said that he'll, he's got one more in him of this, just the absurd entrance with the votes. Couldn't and make it happen at winners at war. 
second chance would have been a good time to do it. Yeah. When he was at war, would have been a, would have been a great time to do it. Season forty one would be a great time to do it. The last season, if it's announced ahead of time that this is the end of Survivor, he'll have to do it. That'd be a great time. Season fifty. I think that's what he's aiming for. Yep. Or if they do another heroes versus villains type or legends type season, that'd be time to do it. Honestly, any time is a good time to do it, in my opinion. But if he's waiting for like a moment or a bigger, if you will, season, he'll he'll have chances. Season forty five, season fifty, season fifty. If he doesn't do it in season fifty, then what's he even doing? Anymore? We can give up. Yeah. But but cast cast gets it. Love that. Um, I think so. I was obviously there's no second chance because this was a second chance. Um, others to return. Um, I've got a fair amount that I would want to see come back, and most that I wouldn't really care one way or the other. Um, Spencer, Terry, Wu, Cass, Savage, Wentworth, Fishback, Tasha, and Keith. I'd all say yes to. Um, the rest, probably sure. I'm probably good on Abby. Good on Kimmy. We talked about Varner. How we're more than good on him. Um, but anyone else to add to that list that you would be pushing for for a return? Mm, no, I I can't get enough Wentworth. She'd be number one for me. And then I I think actually Terry might be number one just just because of how this one ended. Um, it would be great to see him like get some closure with Survivor. Get another crack at it. yeah, because he was. Well, he was kind of he, he was in a better he was in a worse position than he thought he was, but he was still playing a fairly good game. He didn't quite have the numbers on his side, but I I, I think yeah I agree. I, I'd like to see him again, mostly because he was my first like this dude is awesome, my first favorite Survivor player. But yeah, just the way it ended on a second chance season two, just kind of is a a kick in the gut as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, see him get another shot to like you put it, get some closure one way or the other would, would be fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that will close out Cambodia. And so next week, just three seasons left. Our number three ranked season, David versus Goliath is on deck. One of the most fun seasons. Bro, chachos. Of, of the show. I mean, there's so many jokes, so much humor. I mean, We'll, we'll see how long we go on that one, but that one is is fantastic, which then leaves the the obvious top two, which I don't think is coming as a surprise to anybody, but we'll leave the order mystery just in case we don't go with the every other Survivor fan order. We'll see. Um, but again, David versus Goliath next week. We'll be off the following week. We'll remind you again, then back um, on July 30th with our second ranked season. And then again, we'll be getting into our second chance casting and the survivor simulation. And then once again, it should be pretty close to, if not the season premiere, maybe a cast announcement, do some preview or blind assessment of of that. Um, But yeah, new survivor is getting closer and with with the international coming back strong, I I'm getting just ever more excited for Survivor 41. I just cannot cannot wait. Yeah, the more we talk about it, the more I need to watch. So I'm 
I'm right there with you. I think it see it still seems like kind of a long way out, but we'll be there before we know it. I mean, it's it's been over a year, so what's another six or seven or eight weeks? Yep. All right. Well, thanks all for for listening to this one. Uh, if you missed any episodes, uh, be sure to go back and check us out. Apple, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, we're there. So subscribe if you haven't, and get at, get us on Twitter at Llama Talk Pod, Instagram at Talking Llama Pod. For Jared Sundin, this is Matt Hambidge, and we'll see you next time for another Scoop of the Crispy. Thank you.